Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn over to Luke chapter 17. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. We've been doing this study uh, for quite some time. And I realized very quickly after the service yesterday that I left it incomplete. I uh, left many people hanging. Some people asked me as they were going out the door what the result was. And so I have just for your verification and for your information, we won. Go ahead. There it is. You're right there, Azel in the middle. That was us. Well, not Azel, Boswell. Uh, beat Azel. And just in case you can't see that, go ahead with the next one. There it is. <laughs> I did not get any video clips. I wasn't climbing in the attic and digging through videotapes and going through the process of getting it onto a clip. But it happened. If you don't believe me, maybe at some point we can get together and I can show you uh, what, what went down. Do what? Awesome. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes. So anyways, I had people that were questioning this after the service, and maybe you can say anybody can make an image, but anyhow, there you go, absolutely. Last week's points were, one, two, and three were this, we must strive not to cause others to sin. The second one was, we must sincerely forgive others of repented sins. And then the third one was, we must seek more faith when what we face seems to be too much for us. And so, uh, again, Jesus talking and teaching on this topic that's kind of hard for many people, uh, and that's that topic of forgiveness. And it can be difficult because we we have this thing we call the flesh, or the Bible calls the flesh. And we don't like to do uh, what God's Word tells us to do when we are in the flesh, but we're in the Spirit. We like to do those things. And so, uh, I will say this, if you are trying to forgive someone in the flesh, you're going to miss the mark every single time. If you try to forgive somebody in your own strength, uh, you're going to fall short. Because truly, forgiving someone the way that the Bible says that we're supposed to forgive is one of the most Christ-like things that we can do. And I want you to think about that. Jesus, as he hung on the cross, looked down at his accusers, his, his uh, betrayers. He looked down at those who were crucifying him. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And again, in this earth, one of the the greatest, most Christ-like things that we can do is to sincerely forgive someone else. And that takes love, and that takes faith. That takes trusting God and God's way. And that means sincere love, sincere faith. But we left off with his disciples uh, listening to him and him teaching them that a little bit of active faith can do the impossible. He says, look, if you, uh, because they said, you're telling us to forgive somebody, even if they forgive us seven times, in, uh, offend us seven times in a day, and that seems impossible. And so their, their plea to him was, Lord, increase our faith. And he turns and, t- and tells them, look, if you just had a, the, a faith the size of a, a, a mustard seed, you could tell that tree to go be planted in the sea, and it would happen. And so we realize that just having the active, little bit of active faith that God has given to us uh, can do the impossible. And the reason why that is, the reason why God set it up that way, is because it points to God. It shows His power, it shows His might, and not our own. And so it's taking uh, us saying, you know what, I don't think I can do this, but I'm going to trust God. 
that he can do it through me and going from there. But the disciples had, uh, again, this dilemma uh, uh, in front of them. How do we do this? We don't know if we can do this. So give us more faith to accomplish what you're asking us to accomplish. Again, that was his response. And so this week we're going to move forward into another very important section of his teaching and uh, I think is very important for us, especially as followers of Jesus Christ. And so let's pray and we'll get into this. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Uh, the opportunity we've had already to worship you in song, uh, worship you through our giving, uh, the fellowship that we've already enjoyed today. And Lord, now as we open up your word and we hear from you, I ask that you just use me as a vessel, that your word would be preached, that your message is, is what is uh, portrayed and, and proclaimed, and every single one of us would receive it the way that you want us to receive it. And uh, Lord, we ask if there's someone here this morning that's lost, they've never truly surrendered their life to you. Maybe they've uh, been in church, maybe they've said a prayer, maybe they think they're okay, but they've never truly given their life to you. I pray that before they leave this place today, uh, they will settle that, settle that matter. Uh, an eternal matter, the most important matter that we'll ever face in this life. Lord, I pray you move that way. For us, those of us who have placed our faith in Christ already, I ask that you would move in our hearts and help us to understand the importance of this, and we'll praise you for all these things, God. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's look in chapter uh, 17, verse 7. That's where we're picking up. But which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, Go and sit down to meet, and will not rather say unto him, Make ready where, wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterwards thou shalt eat and drink. Now, understand this. Um, when, whenever Jesus is teaching certain things and about certain things, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's condoning things. For instance, we see in Scripture the use of masters and servants, or slaves and, and masters. Uh, just because that was the case doesn't mean that certain uh, abuses and certain relationships that man has messed up uh, were right and that Jesus condoned them. Um, many times when he's teaching, he's teaching to that, the, the crowd, he's teaching to those people where they were at, what they were facing, what they could connect with. And so that's why he's telling, uh, how many of you, if you own uh, a field, if you own crops and you have people that are working in those fields, your, your, your workers, your laborers, your servants, uh, that when they came in from working, you would tell them, you sit down and I'll, I'll serve you. I'll, you, know, you, 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 you will be taken care of first. He said, and, and not rather when that servant comes in from doing that job that is his responsibility, that you tell him, hey, go ahead and get supper ready. That his next responsibility is to get the supper ready, to serve the supper. And then after everyone is, is eaten, then that, that servant or those servants will turn around and eat because that's their job. That's, the, that's what they're getting paid for. That's, that is, again, their responsibility. And so he says, isn't this what go, goes on? And so verse 9, he, he continues with this thought, and he says, Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him. Again, this was his responsibility. This is what he was told to do. This is what the servants were told to do. And so the servant does it. And does the master go on and on and thank him because he did the things that he was told to do or he was commanded to do? And the answer was this, I trow not, I don't think so. Verse 10, so likewise ye, when you shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants, we're unworthy servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. 
See, as the followers of Jesus Christ, if you are here this morning, you have a, a relationship with him. You've placed your faith in him. You've surrendered your life to him. You're following him. You are a Christian. As, as such, we have responsibilities in this life as followers of Jesus Christ. Much to what other people argue and say and, and other people made that profess to be Christians, the word of God is very clear that we are on this earth as the children of God for the mission for the kingdom of God. That's why we're here. Uh, you've heard me say this many times before. I will say it until I'm blue in the face until the Lord says, stop saying it. Um, but this, this is the reality. If God, if, if our only purpose of being a Christian in this life was to simply get saved and go to heaven, then as soon as every single one of us got saved, God would take us out of this earth that's full of sickness and death and hurt and disease and all the stuff and the junk and the blackness and the, and, and, and the, and the strife and the wars. God would just take us out of this earth and take us to be where he is if that's what it was all about. Now, let me go back and say this. That is what it's all about, but God does not take us home to be with him the moment that we get saved. Most of us. Sometimes he does. So why does he leave us here? It's clear in Scripture. Jesus said you are the light of the world, a city that's set on a hill. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We are here, once we are saved, to be a light to all those that are in darkness because the Bible says if we don't shine that light, if we don't give the light of the glorious gospel, then those that are in darkness will continue to remain in darkness and the God of this world will continue to blind their eyes. And so that's why we're here. That's, that's why we continue to live on this earth once we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So in this relationship with Jesus Christ, we as the followers of Jesus Christ have responsibilities every single day. And I would say first and foremost among those responsibilities or things that we should be doing as the children of God is trusting God every single day. And, and, and that, that's an action word. That is, that is taking active trust and confidence and putting it in Jesus Christ going his way which has to do with obedience the other thing is this is love we're commanded first of all to love god with all of our heart soul mind and strength and the second part of that is to love our neighbor as ourselves. and so these are responsibilities that every follower of jesus christ is given is to trust god and to love god and love our neighbors as ourselves. but the next thing that is to spring from those from trust and love faith and love the next thing in our responsibility is service and I would say specifically humble service I think some people get it wrong when they think about serving God and serving the church they think that maybe some people think that maybe they're too good maybe they think it's just not my thing to serve in the church I mean other people are serving it's not my job it's not my deal I'm not really into that uh, serving God and serving his church I mean I go to church and that's service enough Many people get it wrong and think that their lives, their stuff, the things that keep them busy is more important than serving God and serving his church. But let's be reminded what, what we are given as the children of God. We're given liberty. And some people say, that's exactly why I don't feel like I have to do this or I have to do that. I mean, I'm free in Christ and I, I, can, I can do if I want to. I don't have to do if I want to. But in Galatians chapter 5, it says this. It says, for brethren, you have been called unto liberty. You've, you've been called to live freely. Only use not liberty, this freedom, for an occasion to the flesh. But 
by love, serve one another. Remember what I said, the, the, the first thing is to trust God, and the second thing is to, to love God and love your neighbor. And, and the third thing, again, springs from those two things, and that's serving. Service. He says, I've given you freedom. Before, how are we free in Christ? Well, before we are in Christ, we're shackled to sin and the consequences that are associated with sin, ultimately leading to death. We're shackled. There's nothing that we can do to please God. There's nothing we can do to serve God that will, that will produce fruit unto his glory. There's nothing in a sinful state without being washed and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We can't do anything. So we're shackled in sin. The moment that we get saved, we're freed from that. And at that moment, we were able for the first time to praise God with, with redeemed lips. We were able to serve God that will produce fruit that's to his glory. We we're able to do those things the moment that we're freed. And so Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing to the Galatian believers, tells them and is telling us today, you've been given liberty, but don't use liberty to do something for yourself. Don't use the liberty that you have in Jesus Christ to please your flesh. Use the liberty that Jesus Christ gave to you freeing you from sin, freeing you from the punishment of sin, use that liberty to serve each other in love. Ser serve one another. And then he goes on and explains in the next verse, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And what happens when you love your neighbor as yourself? What happens is this, if, you're, if, if your neighbor is, is, is broke down on the side of the road, you help them, you, you know, if, if they need something at their house, hey, can I borrow a cup of this? Can, I help, can, you, can you help me with this? Yeah, but by love, serve one another. That's what love does. And so Jesus, in our text, is teaching us a very valuable lesson. The first point in your notes is this. Humble service is our privilege. Humble service is our privilege. It's not an inconvenience. It's not a problem. Well, now, now you're making it more complicated in my relationship with Christ. I'm supposed to do something? No, no, no. You, you don't have to do anything. You get to do something. You get to do something for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God that loved you so much that he would send his only son to lay down his life in your place so that you could have eternal life, something you could never work for, something you could never earn. He did it for you. He did it for me. And now in his grace... He gives us the amazing privilege to do something for him in return. What a privilege it is. A.B. Simpson once said this, God is not looking for extraordinary characters as his instruments, but he's looking for, a, for humble instruments through whom he can be honored throughout the ages. See, God, you say, I just don't know that God can, I don't know what talent, I don't know what ability, I don't know what I would do to serve the church, I don't know how I would do that. Listen, if you'll just make yourself available, if you'll just humble yourself and say, God, just use me. I want to do something for you. I want to serve the church. Use me in some way. That's who God's looking for. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 22 says this, For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. They're free in Christ. Even though we're servants of Christ, we're free. And he goes on and says that. Likewise, also he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. And so it's an interesting uh, dynamic there, and some people get confused by that. So if we're free... How are we a servant? Because a servant is a slave. And if a slave is truly a slave, then how is he free? In Christ. That's what it says. It's in Christ. It's the freedom from sin. It's the freedom uh, away from living a life of sin. It's freedom from not, uh, not having to walk in the flesh to fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
It's freedom to live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to serve Christ, to serve others. It's the freedom to do that. But it doesn't change the fact that we are a servant of the Most High God. And what a privilege that is. Look again in our text. Back in verse 9, he says this. Doth he thank that servant because he's done the things that were commanded him? I don't think so. See, if your job is a servant then why would you act entitled? And, you know, that's something that's very clear and apparent and growing in America today is this sense of entitlement. Everybody deserves something. Everybody, you don't necessarily have to earn it. You just deserve it. That's kind of the, 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 the mindset that's uh, permeated our culture in many, many respects. But, but if your job is a servant, that's what your responsibility is. Why would you ever act entitled with what your job is and why would you be bothered if that was your job if that's what your your responsibility why would you ever be bothered why would you ever puff yourself up versus seeing as an unworthy servant you were privileged to even be that servant see it's when we get a small grasp on grace that humble service is clearly a privilege Grace is something amazing. We sing the song, Amazing Grace. It blows our mind. Uh, Again, this idea that God Almighty would look on us, holy, sinless God, would look on us as sinners and love us so much that he would come in the flesh. He would live a sinless life. He would allow himself, when he could call 10,000 angels to take him from that, he could take himself off the cross. He willingly laid down his life and shed his blood to be the payment of our sins, to cover our sins, took our place, They put him in a grave three days later. He rose again. And there's nothing that can take away what God has done for us. That's amazing grace. There's nothing once we are in Christ, when we have truly surrendered our life to him, there's nothing that can change that. That's amazing grace. So with this amazing grace, if we can just grasp just a small little piece of it, when we do, Humble service is very clearly a, a, a privilege. Man, anything I could do, if I could vacuum the carpet or clean the toilets in the church or sweep the parking lot or, or teach a Sunday school class or help in the choir or, 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 or help wherever. I mean, anything I could do to serve one another, to, to serve the Lord, serve his church, or, or even be a part of, of the church's mission, absolutely what every single person should be a part of. Getting that gospel out. David Livingston he was a missionary to Africa, and um, it's too long of a backstory. I've shared his backstory before, but uh, spent a lot of his life there, a uh, latter part of his life in, in Africa. And uh, he once said this, people talk of the sacrifice that I've made in spending much of my life, so much of my life, in Africa. And he, look what he says, it's emphatically no sacrifice. Say, rather, it's a privilege. A privilege. You know, we, we, we look at missionaries, and, I, and I've said it before, I think they're heroes, and I, I think they're to be uh, respected and prayed for and, and, and encouraged, absolutely. But I think whether you're a missionary uh, to a foreign land called by God or you're a, a, a servant in, in, in the local community that you're, you're, you're trying to reach the lost people with or you're uh, whatever, anything we can do is a privilege in service to God. Verse uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Listen to this. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Again, when we can understand grace, and, and, and it starts to, uh, to, to affect our mind and our heart, and we can really grasp that we are so undeserving of everything, that we are those unworthy servants, it begins to say, man, if I, if I could do anything, I would, I would love to, to do anything for the Lord, to do anything to serve his church. Another missionary uh, who has an amazing testimony, again, I've shared this testimony of this lady before, uh, her husband and her family uh, go to uh, South America and um, end up, he ends up losing his life. And his wife, uh, feeling led of God, continues on that work. Her name was Elizabeth Elliot. And this is what she says. She said, this job is in, has been given to me to do. Therefore, it's a gift. It's been given to me. It's a gift. Therefore, it's a privilege. Remember, she's lost her husband. She, she, she's lost security maybe in so many different ways. Uh, and, and now she's serving God in the, in the calling that he's given to her. And it says, therefore, therefore she says, therefore, it's an, it's an offering I may make to God. Therefore, it is to be done gladly if it's done for him. Here, not somewhere else, I may learn God's way. In this job, not in some other God looks for faithfulness. See, if you and I pass over the amazing grace of God in the busyness of our lives, in our jobs, and our activities, if we pass over the amazing grace of God saving our souls and allowing us to serve Him and serve others, we not only miss that privilege of serving an all-majestic God, but we miss the blessings that are associated with it. See, the, the, the enemy would love for us to think that all of the things that we have in this life that are temporal are, are the real blessings. Those are the things that you really need. Those are the things that really last. When the Bible says riches make themselves wings, they fly away, uh, that, that we're not supposed to set up ourselves treasures upon this earth because moth and rust corrupt. One of these days they're going to perish away. They were supposed to store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't even touch. But the enemy... And the world and our flesh buys into it oftentimes that this is the stuff that really matters, the temporal things. But man, when we're not serving from a humble heart and we're not taking advantage of the grace that God has given to us to serve him and to serve others, we miss the huge blessings because that's point number two, two is humble service yields huge blessings. See, I Schofield said this, God's purpose in promising to reward with heavenly and eternal honors the faithful service of his saints is to win them, listen, from the pursuit of earthly riches and pleasures, to sustain them in the fires of persecution, and to encourage them in the exercise of Christian virtues. Romans chapter 6 verse 22 says this, but now being made free from sin, there we go, that's what we talked about a while ago, the liberty, being made free from sin, and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness in the end everlasting life. Verse 23, something that we all know, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The blessings of being servants, humbly serving Almighty God, leads to, verse 22 says, sanctification. 
Humbly serving God, being the servants of Christ. Again, it leads to that. And as servants of God, the Bible says this. The ultimate gift or the ultimate blessing is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so as the servants and the children of God, we understand that we don't get this gift by doing something or by serving. It's simply ours. As the children of God, we get eternal life. It's a gift given to us by God's grace. And so in this amazing grace, again, it's a privilege to serve and get blessings on top of blessings. But it's not until we begin to see our life from that grace perspective that we realize that everything that we have in this life that's good is a gift from God. When we realize that, that grace perspective, that we don't really deserve anything other than what we do good ourselves, here's what I do good myself. Here's what you do good yourself mess things up we're good at sinning we're good at messing things up we're good at just just missing the mark that's what we do in ourselves. it's only by the grace of God and the spirit of God that comes and begins to transform us from the inside out that there's anything good that comes from our life again and that's God's spirit that's God's grace that this happens by so when we can view our lives like that that everything good and that, that, that happens in and through our lives is because of God's grace. It's then that we realize anything good is undeserved. Anything is a huge blessing from God. But this is what I find. I find sometimes that we're not always aware of the huge blessings that come wrapped in small packages. Yeah. You know, Sometimes we're, we're living our lives and we're waiting for that, um, you know, Mount Carmel experience. We're ready for God to rain down fire and consume the, the, the evil that's in this world, uh, the false gods. We're, we're ready for God to do those huge things and, and show his, his great work. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I think we should expect God to do great things. But sometimes we're missing so much of the huge blessings of God that are wrapped in small little packages daily, along the way, every single day of our life. There they are, and we're passing them by. A visitor comes to a Sunday school class, first time. The Sunday school teacher can, can miss that, that huge blessing that's wrapped in a small, it's just a new visitor. We could pass right by it. A guest in our worship service. So someone may have knocked their door, someone may have talked to them, Someone, maybe a friend with them, someone, you know, whatever. But we, we pray for God to, to bring people, whether, whether they need to hear the gospel or whether they're, they're coming to be laborers in the harvest with us. We pray for those people. And so that's an amazing answer prayer. That's a, that's a huge blessing, maybe wrapped in a small package. We had over 100 kids at VBS. That, that's a huge blessing. But if we're not careful... It's a week of kids getting up here and, and all, I mean, just the rigmarole and, and, and many people aren't engaged in it, aren't connected to it. And so uh, we don't think about it. But every, every week for several weeks, we were praying for VBS. And we were praying for kids to come. We were praying for our workers. Huge blessings. Maybe wrapped in small packages to us. The two weeks before that, we had about 40 people from our church on mission trips. 
And out of those 40 people and all the things that went on, there were dozens, if not hundreds of people impacted with the gospel, whether it was through a water filter, a Bible club, a church service, or, or, or whatever. There, were, there was the gospel being given as people who had made sacrifices and humbly allowed themselves to, to, to be sweaty and dirty and, and, and whatever, just to serve God and to serve others. And some people say, well, that, that's, you know, what happened from it? Well, if, you, if, you, if you're going to look just real, uh, maybe simply at it, you say, well, we know for sure that one person got saved in a home visit. And some would say, man, 40 people, all that money, all that time, all that effort, one soul? We prayed for it. And said, why, why couldn't there have been hundreds or, or thousands of people gotten saved? We never know what, what avalanche that might come from that one person getting saved. Not only that, with all the seeds that were sown, with all the seeds that were watered, we have no idea what God's going to do with that. It's just like when we share the gospel with someone, maybe at a restaurant, or maybe share it with, with, with someone at your job, or maybe it's sharing it with someone in the community here as we're, we're, we're giving the gospel out. You never know what God's going to do with that. What about that one visitor that comes and their life is forever changed? Remember when we were going through the, the, the section of, in Scripture that Jesus said that the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repenteth? I mean, think about that. There is a huge rejoicing in heaven. All of heaven, the Bible says, rejoices over one sinner that repents. And so for us to think, well, that's not a big deal. That's a huge blessing. Maybe it looks like it's wrapped in a small package. That's a huge thing. That soul will not spend one second in the lake of fire. For all of eternity, they won't have to worry about that. And you say, well, that's, that's not a big deal. I promise you this. It's a big deal to them. It's a big deal to you that you won't spend it there. It's a big deal. Huge blessing. Humble service yields huge, huge blessings. But I have to say this, we must never serve, I don't think it's humble service if we do, but we must never serve for the blessings. And I think many people get distracted by this. Many people get distracted by the blessings. They say things like this, I've been doing this and I've been doing that, and, and nothing. No one says anything, no one ever says thanks. I've been doing the same job in the church, doing the same ministry, and no one ever pats me on the back. No one ever said, no one ever notices these things. I, 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 I just, I'm getting frustrated. A.T. Pearson said this, the supreme test of service is this. For whom am I doing this? Much that we call service to Christ is not such at all. If we are doing this for Christ, we shall not care for human reward or even recognition. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning in that. What are you doing to serve the Lord? What are you doing to serve his church? Because you can't separate God from his church. What are you doing to serve him? If you're a child of God, you are to be, again, trusting him, loving him, loving your neighbors, and then serving him and serving one another in love. What are you doing for God? What are you doing for his church? How are you serving him in his kingdom? He said, this is how I'm serving. These are the things that I do uh, every week. This is how I'm serving the church. This is how I'm serving the Lord. This is how it is done. 
then you have to answer this question, or I challenge you to ask yourself this question. Who am I really doing this for? Who am I really teaching this class for? Who am I really cleaning this toilet for? Who, who, who am I really helping? Who, who am I really uh, watching these kids and caring for these babies for? Who, who am I really doing this for? Because when we're really doing it for Christ, nobody ever has to shake our hand and say thank you. No one ever has to pat us on the back and say good job. Now, I think it's good for us to do that and encourage each other. I don't think there's anything wrong with encouraging each other and expressing our gratitude and thanks for each other. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not why we're supposed to be serving. So that someone sees us or hears us and knows what we're doing, that's, that's not it. Who are you serving and why are you serving? I believe if you're doing it for the right reason, reason and, and for the right person, then your blessing comes even in the opportunity to serve. That's the blessing. It's just a blessing to serve. If you're doing it for the Lord and you're doing it with the right heart, you're doing it humbly and sincerely, then it's just an honor, it's a blessing to be able to do anything. And that's really your heart. You don't, you don't have to have someone force you to do it. You don't have to have someone uh, convince you to stay faithful to it. You don't have to do any of those things because when you're serving God and you're doing it for the right reason, for the right person, it's just a privilege. Yeah, there's going to be days that maybe you're tired. Maybe you're, you're having a rough day. Maybe you're frustrated. But you know what? You still see that service as a privilege. And that's the blessing and the opportunity. But it's when we begin to focus on ourselves and what we're getting and what we're not getting. It's when we begin to look at ourselves and, and me and, 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 again, all the other things. We begin to look at that and we can really get messed up. And, and unfortunately, I've seen that in ministry. I've seen that in, in my time as, as a Christian. There have been many people that have started something, many people that have begun serving, serving the Lord, maybe in the right way, but along the way something happens, and their focus gets off of God, it gets off of the privilege, the, the amazing ability to serve God in His grace. I mean, it gets off of those things and it becomes themselves. It becomes their problems, it becomes their issues, it becomes uh, their recognition, their, their lack of recognition, becomes all those things, and before you know it, they're down and out. They've quit the ministry. They've quit serving in that area and sometimes quit church altogether because they forgot who and why they're serving. So, how can we avoid that? How can we truly stay faithful and truly stay humble in our service to God? Just as Jesus does every time, well, most of the time, he, he, he's, he's the perfect teacher. He gives a great illustration about gratitude and about God's work and also the lack of gratefulness and service. And so point number three, and I'm going to look at it, we'll, we'll, we'll get the point and then we'll look at it in text, is humble service comes from faith and a heart of gratitude. Verse 11, it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered into a certain village there, met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. They were unclean. Verse 13, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priest. Now, we know that Jesus along the way has, uh, you know, healed the blind man's eyes. He, he healed all, all manner of sicknesses and diseases. We've already seen that so far. He's touched people. He, 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 all, all those things. 
But these men were unclean, not only unclean in their flesh, they were ceremonial unclean. And Jesus, for him to have touched them, again, maybe would have been offense to some people. Regardless, he gives them a straight command. Here's what I want you to do. They said, hey, have mercy on us. Look at us. We've got leprosy. We, we, we need to be healed. Do something for us. Jesus' command very clearly was, just go show yourself to the priest. Now I want you to understand what they're about to do is going to be service based off of his command. So they wouldn't have gone and showed, his, showed themselves to the priest had Jesus not said, go show yourself to the priest. They had an opportunity in that moment when he commanded them to argue with him, to, rash, to, to, to reason with him. They, they could have dismissed their, their, you know, his command based off their circumstances. They could have done all those things, but Jesus was clear, do this, period. This is how I want you to serve me. This is how I want you to obey me. This is what you So this is service based off his command. Look what happens. And it came to pass that as they went, so they did exactly what Jesus said they were supposed to do. Look what happens. They were cleansed. They were cleansed. A miracle. But what, what, were we talking, what were we just talking about? We were talking about huge blessings. Humble service yields huge blessings. These, these guys, they, they walked into a huge, blessings, a huge blessing because they were obedient. They trusted Jesus' word. They trusted him when he gave them command. And he healed them. He did this amazing blessing. But look at verse 15. Jesus makes an example out of two groups of people. One, one person and the other group. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Uh, we're not going to get into all that for time's sake, but we've already talked about this. The Jews and the Samaritans, they, they didn't mix. Jesus already taught the, the, the lesson on the, the, the good Samaritan. But this one person, this person who was healed, his life was radically changed simply because he, he obeyed what Jesus told him to do. His life, this huge blessing came upon his life, and he was the only one that turns back. And glorifies God and with humility falls down before the one who saved him and gave thanks and look at verse 17 Jesus answering said were there not ten cleansed didn't I do this for ten people ten men were, were lepers ten of them went and did it But where are the nine? Where are the nine? I've done this for all of them. I've done this for all of you. And I've commanded all of you to go and do. And all of you are walking in huge blessings. How many are returning to give thanks? With humble service. There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. He's a Samaritan. 
And he said unto, them, said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Here it is. Thy faith hath made thee whole. See, I believe this is true. A heart of gratitude always returns to give God glory. When, when you focus, though, on yourself, you'll be focused on your glory. You'll be focused on what you get or what you don't get. I believe you can tell when someone's serving for themselves. When someone is serving for them, for, for man's recognition, for man's glory, when they're doing uh, something supposedly for God, I believe that you can tell when they're actually doing it for God or for someone else. The reason I believe that is when someone's doing it for themselves, it's about their preferences. It's about their way. It's about their needs, their problems, and their issues. When someone is serving for themselves. Not only that, when someone is serving for themselves, they're easily offended. Say the wrong thing. Don't do the right thing. Leave something out. Don't communicate something. And they're easily offended. Someone serving for themselves seemingly can't be pleased. See, just as soon as that person who's serving for themselves gets what they want, there's no returning to give God glory just like those nine. Because it's not about God, it's about them. It's about their blessings. But when someone is serving for God, humbly serving, it's not about their preferences. It's not about what they get or what they don't get. When someone is humbly serving God, truly for God, it's about the gracious opportunity as a sinner that God has given to them to serve a holy God. When God allows them to do these things and the blessings that come whether they're small or large I believe the person that's doing it for God always returns with a grateful heart this morning I believe that we all need to remember that we deserve punishment that's what we all earn that's what we all deserve is we're sinners and again it's only by God's grace that we can be saved and it's only in that grace that we can serve him it's not that God gets some amazing deal when he gets us because we have these abilities or we have these talents. It's not that his church gets a deal when we decide that we're going to do something in the church. It's that we are undeservedly given an opportunity to serve him. He has amazing rewards awaiting us. And on top of the amazing rewards of eternal life and, a, and, and, and an amazing, uh, amazing place as heirs with him, he piles on top of the blessings of that humble, grateful, sincere, selfless service. And so this morning as our musicians come, I want to ask you the question, are you serving God? What, what are you doing for God? How are you serving him? How are you serving his church? You so I, I, I just don't think that I'm supposed to be serving. I think that, no, no, no. That's not what God's word says. And we can argue about opinions, but that's not what God's word says. It says, but by love, serve one another. We're told in Corinthians that we are, we are given gifts, that we are given abilities to use in the body for the edifying of the body in Philippians, we're told the same thing, that the body is fitly joined together so that it may increase in the body. 
so that we can grow up and bring glory to him. We are put together as the body of Christ to serve one another, serve God. And so what are you doing to do that? And if you are doing that, do you see it as a privilege? What are you doing for God? You say, I'm doing this. Do you see that as a privilege? Or do you see it as just your time to do this or your, your job to do this? Or, or, or do you see it as a, a great privilege? I want to charge you, don't miss the opportunity to serve humbly and gratefully as they come. The opportunities are coming right now, but there's going to come a day when they'll cease. And I know when we stand before the Lord one day as his children, when we see all the great things that he's prepared for us, the amazing life that we're going to live from that moment on, free from pain, free from tears, from hurt, free from disease, free from loss, free from all of those things, an amazing eternal life with him. When we see all of those things, I believe there's going to be something, maybe I'm wrong, but I believe there's going to be a part of us not for all of eternity, maybe in that moment at the judgment, that we say, man, I wish I would have done more. I wish that I would have taken, taken advantage of the opportunities I had while I had them. I wish I would have given God, served God more. I wish I would have been more grateful for those opportunities. Because when we get there and when we're past all that and we're in that eternal life, I don't, I don't think we're going to be mourning for what we didn't have or what we didn't do. I don't think that's going to be the case. But I think there's going to be a moment there so man i wish i'd have done more and so while we have the opportunity let's take advantage of it let's take advantage of it and if you're here this morning you've heard all these things about what god's done for you that he came to this earth he died on the cross for your sins he rose again and that through him and him alone that you can be saved and you've never done that you've never said you know what? i want to trust god for salvation i want to go to heaven when i die I don't want to spend eternity in a lake of fire that's reserved for Satan and his, his demons. I don't want to do that. I'd rather go to heaven. Then I want to encourage you to come this morning. We'll have two ministers down here. You can simply come. Nobody's going to embarrass you. We're not going to do anything weird. We'll just show you in God's word how you can know for sure that heaven's going to be your eternal home. And we just want to show you. You can make the decision. No one's going to force you. But if you're not sure, then please come and ask them. Say, will you show me? And I promise they will. Christians, let's make sure that we're seeing the, the service, the humble service, uh, as this great privilege in God's grace and not missing an opportunity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your message. Thank you for your word. I ask that you would just begin with me, and that you would go throughout this whole building and that every single one of us would see your amazing grace every day that we get up, the mercy that's new every morning. And we would see opportunities to serve each other, to serve uh, our community to serve in the church, to serve you. Lord, that we would see those as privileges. We'd realize these opportunities that you're given to us are only unlimited, and, and there's a short amount of time that we have to do it. That we'd realize that the eternal things in serving you are the most important things in this life. Lord, we just ask you to move now in this time as we respond to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name.